Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray before we turn to this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the immense and immeasurable gift of your word. We do ask now as we turn to it that you would give us soft hearts and listening ears. Free us from the distractions that are so ever-present and help us to listen to your voice as we come to your word now. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Words are funny old things, aren't they? They're so vital and essential for human living, and often so simple, but in another sense, extremely confusing. Anybody who has lived in another country, or lived in a marriage, or tried to communicate something to their kids, knows that words are often really rather like a bowl of spaghetti. A little bit messy, most often nourishing, but not always going where you want them to go. There are a lot of words in the world, a lot of voices that you can listen to. Culture will tell you to be yourself. Advertising will tell you to buy their products. Politicians will tell you to keep the rules. Bosses will tell you to work hard. Your friends might tell you to play hard. There are a lot of words, sort of an overwhelming amount of words. But one of the key things about words is that they communicate different things based on the identity of the communicator. Go to your room makes sense from the lips of a parent but not really your best friend. While I love you are meaningful words from a spouse, but probably not a stranger. The book of Hebrews opens really with something of a staggering claim. Our God is a God of words. He is a speaking God. He spoke long ago, that's how the verse opens, at many times and in many ways by the prophets, and he is speaking now. In these last days, the period that we're now in between Jesus' first coming and his return, God has spoken through his Son. God is a God who desires to and does indeed communicate with his people. 
He tells us things using words, having always been a speaking God. But the identity of the communicator shapes the communication. The prophets long ago, well, they truly communicated God's words, but they were finite and fallible human beings with a certain amount of diversity and an incompleteness in the revelation of God. But the Son, He is different. And because of who He is, because of His identity, well, we need to sit up and listen to his words. In a world full of voices, a world of fake news and chat GPT, a world where there's tremendous confusion about whose words we can actually trust, it's the words of the Son that matter most because of who he is. And so we're going to take the time this evening very simply to pause amidst all of our busyness in our lives, and gaze upon the sun, seeing who he is and why that means we should pay attention to his voice. Beginning with the truth, number one, that the sun is the permanent Lord. The sun is the permanent Lord. The first thing that we learn about the sun here is that he has been appointed the heir of all things. It's an idea that is somewhat embedded in the nature of sonship itself, right? Sons inherit what their fathers own. And so it is with the heavenly father and son. But the father, being God, owns everything. There are only two kinds of reality in this world. God and everything else. The creator and everything that is created. And because the son is son and therefore heir, well, he is given as an inheritance all things from all eternity, standing in a relationship of inheritance to the father, eternally receiving everything that exists from the father. Think of something, anything. Jesus owns it. Whatever you can think of in your mind right now, from governments to mountain ranges, your homework, your boss, from cups of coffee to the color of your curtains, well, it's all Jesus's. And he is the permanent Lord over it all, given to him as an eternal inheritance, as part of his eternal sonship. It is a theologian, Abraham Cowper, who famously said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Now, whenever I hear this, I always think of that scene in Finding Nemo with the seagulls. Maybe you know it. Maybe you've seen that film on the dock, on the jetty, as all these seagulls are crying, mine, mine, mine. Sometimes we human beings look a little bit like that, don't we? Craving and crying for control over our little worlds. 
but they're not ours. And Jesus is not like one of those goals, vying for ownership alongside other competing authorities. Jesus can say quietly, but still with tremendous authority and power, mine. It is all truly his, eternally given to him as his inheritance. And I'm using the phrase permanent Lord here, partly because it begins with P and so do all my other points. But much more significantly, because the writer begins before time began with the son in this eternally appointed role as inheritor, and then he moves right the way through human history, right up to today, emphasizing that now, verse 3, the son is sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ, God the Son in human form, after his life, death, and resurrection, is exalted and sat down, enthroned in heaven, currently reigning over this world with all dominion, authority, and lordship. That's what this phrase means. He has the power of God without limitation, supreme authority, and highest honor, owning everything that exists. It really is the oldest and most basic Christian creed, isn't it? Jesus is Lord. And he is Lord whether you know it, believe it, or respond to it or not. There's a British fantasy novel series that is called Discworld. Maybe you've heard of that. And in this world, there's a whole bunch of gods. But they only exist and have power relative to the amount of belief that people have in them. It is not so with the lordship of Jesus. He owns everything, whether you pay respect to him or not, because his lordship starts with his status as son. What this means is that everything you do is connected to Jesus Christ. All of your life, family, work, play. It's all under his lordship, whether you're a Christian today or not. And it means that everything is a kind of worship, whether you like it or not. Jesus is not lord over your Sundays. He's lord over Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays too. And so I implore you, give everything up to him. Do not be like those Finding Nemo seagulls, holding on so tightly to the things that you feel are yours. Your money, your career, your sexuality, your downtime. These are not bad things. They're good things, indeed, to be enjoyed. But maximal enjoyment comes when you recognize that they're not ultimately yours, but all his. Jesus is Lord and you are not. The second thing that we see uh, in this passage is that not only is the son the inheritor of everything that exists, he actually is the powerful creator as well. That's point two. The son is the powerful creator. 
God created the world through his son, and then, verse 3, the son upholds and sustains the universe by the word of his power. Everything that exists, exists because Jesus says so. Not only is he Lord over it in an ownership sense, he is creator and sustainer over it in an actual sense. He doesn't just own all things. They would cease to exist if it wasn't for him. Sometimes when you're at school, if you can cast your minds back, you get given a creative task for homework, right? Maybe a picture of something or a little model. I remember being in art class in eighth grade and having to make a paper mache hat. I made a pineapple. It was really rather good, I think. But imagine if your teacher set you some homework but told you that you couldn't use any tools or equipment. You simply had to speak and make it that way. But you couldn't do it. Of course you couldn't. You'd fail. None of us can create something out of nothing. But Jesus simply speaks, and the world is and continues to be. His word is powerful in this sense, creating and sustaining simply by speaking. In a world where the name of Jesus is more commonly known as a swear word, really, it is easy even for us to forget this sometimes. To sort of think that Jesus is maybe a nice guy with moral teaching and a good example for us to follow. But Jesus is the powerful creator of everything, having made all and sustaining all by the power of his word. When I first moved to the States, I had some real difficulty finding a place to live. The combination of having no formal income and being an international was a problem for renting a place. And I would go into these apartment complexes around Charlotte, and the person behind the desk would say, I'm sorry, we can't help you. You just don't work with our systems. So what I used to say every single time was, can I speak to the manager? Can I speak to the one in charge? Can I speak to the one who set all these systems up? The one with the authority to maybe make changes and help me out? Friends, in a world of many competing voices, the one who invented speaking has come. The one who created everything has come. When God reveals himself to his people through his son, he is revealing himself through the divine creator of all things. You can know the one who made everything. You have access to the one who holds the whole world in his hands. Isn't that remarkable? Christian, what does your week look like this week? A slightly mundane nine-to-five with overworked colleagues and a boss whose own stresses often come out on you. Maybe it's a week of looking after the kids at home, of school runs and swimming lessons, 
the tears and tantrums of being a stay-at-home parent. Or maybe it's a week of doctor's appointments and checkups. The frustrations of a body that's just not quite as limber as it once was. Whatever your week looks like, if you know Jesus, you know the creator of the world. And therefore, he is so much bigger than anything you're walking this week. It's all in his hands because it's all made by him. And if Jesus can sustain everything by his powerful word, he can certainly sustain you as you walk in this life. Do not fear. The creator has come and is with you. And so we come to the third thing about the sun. The climax, in many ways, of these verses are found in these two magnificent phrases that open verse 3. The sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. We've seen how the sun is the permanent Lord. He's the powerful creator. And now he's the perfect representation. Glory in the Bible really refers to the sum total and visible manifestation of all of God's attributes in all of their brilliance and perfections. The Bible describes God as being clothed in glory and it being like a light shining forth in splendor. And here we learn that the sun as the radiance of God's glory, is the shining forth. When you look at the sun, you see the brilliant light of God's glory because all that God is, his power, his compassion, his justice, his goodness, it is all perfectly manifest in the sun. When you see the sun, you see the fullness of God himself. And much the same is revealed by this second phrase. For the Son to be the exact imprint of the nature of God is to say that the Father and the Son share in the same nature. It is to say that the Son fully participates in the divine nature. It is to say, again, that when you see the Son, you see exactly what the Father is like. A perfect representation, in other words. This is an earth-shattering language for us to be talking about on a random Sunday evening. It's the highest of Christologies there could ever possibly be. The Son is not just Lord, and he's not just the one by whom God created. He is God himself, fully divine, radiating the fullness of God's glory and perfectly imaging and representing him. Let us gaze, therefore, on the beauty of Christ. As you look at the sun, you see the awesome power of the God who creates. The incredible might of him who speaks all things into existence and sustains all by the power of his word. You see the fierce justice of the God who 
who reigns. The victorious king enthroned in glory and ruling with all might and power who will not let evil win in this world. You see the deep humility of the God who speaks, the God who cares, the God who comes, who desires to know you and be in a relationship with you. And you see the tender compassion of the God who heals. The God who sends his son into a broken world to a rebellious people like you and I who have consistently rebelled and rejected against the lordship of Jesus. God sends his son in order to die on a cross so that the relationship between God and his people might be healed and restored. And so, brothers and sisters, when the doctor's report reveals that it's malignant, listen for the voice of Christ. See in his word the God who weeps for the brokenness of the world and came to ultimately redeem and renew. When the culture around you seems like it's changing at breakneck speed, and there's those days where you struggle to keep up and do indeed feel like you're on the wrong side of history, listen for the voice of Christ. See the God enthroned in heaven, reigning with all authority and power, whose lordship is good and who will not abandon his people. When the son or the daughter, whom you love so deeply, begins to walk away from the Lord. Listen for the voice of Christ. See and trust in the God of consuming justice and deep, tender compassion, who cannot abide by sin, but who does indeed provide a way for his people to know him. In a world of many voices, in a world that is broken, and we're often hurting, stumbling, reeling, make gazing upon Christ and listening for his voice your deliberate daily practice. Seeing in him all the power, justice, might, gentleness, love, compassion, and righteousness of God. He is the permanent Lord. He is the powerful creator, and he is the perfect representation. There really is no other hope in life or in death. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can come to your word and listen to it, and we thank you for your son. We thank you that you sent your son as the revelation of yourself. We thank you that in him we can see exactly what you are like, O oh God. Your justice, your compassion, your tenderness, your might, your power. Lord, help us in all of our weakness. Help us in all of our frailty. Help us in all of our distractions to gaze upon Christ each and every day, listening for his voice in all that we're walking through in our lives. 
for in him is all the hope in the world. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.